Welcome to the Spoiler Alert Podcast, where today we have the film Johnny Mnemonic. It was made in 1995, starring Keanu Reeves, uh, kind of the 90s cyberpunk uh, genre uh, of film. And uh, just before we get into the first half of the movie, uh, Dakota, uh, give to me like a few like kind of opening words on it. Uh, what was it like the first time you watched it? Like what are some things you kind of gather from the film? I'd been aware of William Gibson and then uh, the game, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with at this point, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 got announced and people have been waiting for that since like 2012. And and so Neuromancer, which was his breakout novel had, had kind of been on my back catalog. Uh, you know, and then so I decided to uh, read that, and then uh, but Johnny Mnemonic's actually it takes place in the same universe, the Sprawl universe. Uh, uh, Neuromancer is the first in the Sprawl trilogy, so it's it's that Count Zero and Mona Lisa Overdrive. Uh, yeah, before that he wrote a short story collection called Burning Chrome, and Johnny Mnemonic's the first story in that collection. Uh, so it's sort of it takes place before Neuromancer uh, across all of the Sprawl. Uh, stuff well not quite but giant mnemonic and then the, the sprawl trilogy the the character of molly millions uh is uh she's a main character in johnny mnemonic and neuromancer but then she kind of as far as i understand only really makes cameo appearances in count zero and mona lisa overdrive i i haven't i started mona lisa overdrive but i haven't whatever uh, anyway um in here they change her name and her look um but uh she's Sort of a very iconic character in her little corner of fiction. Uh, very different, though, than how she's presented in the film. Uh, she has uh, like uh, mirror shades they're described as, and I, I kind of picture them as like her eyeballs are encased in like these chrome, um, like I, I, I basically like a praying mantis kind of bug-eyed look, but they're they're chrome reflective shielding. Whatever. So it's. Um, information society did a whole song about like mirror shades and uh it's sort of a popular character um but uh anyway but yeah so neuro like neuromancer is kind of considered to be the first uh true cyberpunk offering at least in the world of fiction i mean or uh written fiction I, blade runner in 82 was uh supposedly gibson was already writing neuromancer at the time that blade runner came out i think they came on the same year they, cut, they look very visually similar uh, and well, I guess it's a novel, so it's hard to, but there are similar things about, you know, Asian, uh, you know, I don't know, just a lot of superficial elements that seem to be similar, but I think uh, ideologically they're very different. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, like Blade Runner asks kind of, you know, questions about, uh, you, you know, what it is to be human and, and, and all, you know, those things. Uh, that's where it's coming from. I think uh, Gibson and uh, specifically Gibson, I, I think a lot of people get it wrong because uh, this is him. I, he wrote Johnny Mnemonic, so he wrote the screenplay for this. So it's all kind of relevant. Um, right. But, yeah. uh, okay, so, um, but, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, uh, sort of say that it, it's, I suppose, like when you think of cyberpunk, it's taking sci-fi and it's making it kind of dystopian. It's 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 making it grittier, and you know, it, it's not your clean, pristine uh, future. That you know, I mean, you'd had dystopian sci-fi before, I suppose, like in the '70s a lot. You know, uh, Westworld and and Logan's Run and Soylent Green and whatever. 
Uh, but, you know, I think Alien at the end, you know, the, and well, and even Star Wars, you had the kind of things were rusted and broken down and, you know, just, um, so this is where it becomes kind of hard to define the genre because like you think of the look, you immediately think of something like Blade Runner, but you think thematically, you could start to apply it to almost anything like Minority Report, which has that very early 2000s sterility and, you know, cleanliness, you know, that's where it feels very cyberpunk but it doesn't look it in the traditional way the genre is kind of broad and it's 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 all over but i um but i think the thing with gibson specifically is um what sci-fi tries to do is it tries to look at a society and say you know and and kind of ask like how technology is going to affect us you know and and where it's going to you know i think those are definitely questions that blade runner presents where i think I haven't heard anybody say this, I think, but the, the way I read Gibson is kind of almost contrary to what everybody says. I think he, he, he seems to kind of just look at it like, well, it's not going to make any difference. Technology isn't, you know, going to change all of our problems. Like we're going to stay who we are. So I, I think, I think it's kind of, I think he's overrated ultimately. Maybe it was more impressive at the time what he did, but I do think what was sort of genius is that he didn't have to like really think about what technology is going to do to us he just had to think about who we are and then just say that's who we're going to be in like 50 years you know and yeah so technology is not going to solve our problems and uh and really what he's telling are just street stories uh and you know uh but set in a science fiction you know sort of a superficial science fiction world i feel I, I see what you're saying there. And I think it's a smart point because like as much as technology has progressed, it still hasn't really changed like basic human instinct or basic human values. We're still like, you know, on the internet half the time trying to get like trying to get on a date, trying yeah. to make money, trying to eat food, basic human shit. You yeah, know, so if you want to be so, called a prophet, you just have to look at now and then just write a story about now in the future so of course there's like some like advances that like kind of go in ai or maybe virtual reality that kind of stuff that would be like the utopia i suppose uh i read the short story like i said about i, I think a year year and a half ago so uh from what i remember it's, it's not I, I didn't even realize till this viewing that gibson actually wrote the screenplay like so he had, so he adapted his own work. Uh, obviously, didn't direct or anything, but uh, but it's so it's different more in the ways that it expands on the short story rather than what it omits. Um, but as far as yeah, the the corporation, it was like uh, I think the plot is in the movie that uh, somebody smuggled the pharmacom cure out, uh, and they're trying to get it back. They're using the yakuza who have grown to power on a massive level at this point and uh and in, in, in 2021 film takes place january 17th 2021 so here we are uh on the new year's uh new year's day but um yeah uh so i think they're just trying to get it back essentially and so they're using the yakuza to get it back so uh but as right. far as the first group yeah uh i don't but, oh yeah that wants him to those are probably far they must have, I, I'm actually not sure, that's who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not actually sure. They must have, I don't know who, I think they must have just known what they had and smuggled it out. I don't know if they worked for Pharmacom or what. Uh, there are a lot of questions in this movie. I don't know if that's just me yeah. missing it or 
All right, so getting into the first half of the film, the we're introduced to this character. I believe the first scene of the movie is him actually surfing through the internet, and you see the internet 2021, which oh. is imaged right here, or at least one of the scenes is. And cyberspace, yeah. Yep, cyberspace. And we re realize that he, ha he has this port for uh, kind of looks like a microphone jack um, uh, in the back of his head. And that's where smuggles data. He's, uh, what do you call it? Like a data pirate, uh, a, a data, data mercenary or something. I think, I think they call it, which is a really interesting premise. It's, it's basically they smuggle data that's too sensitive to transmit. So they physically carry it from point A to point B, um, you know, because uh, they can't risk somebody intercepting it. Um, yeah. And I don't know, like, internet security in this future must be at an all-time level of sketchiness, because... Well, we just had solar wind, so it's 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 there, you know? We're, we're living up to the, yeah, lack of security. Um, but, God, <laughs> so... People really live through the internet, more so than we do now, where there, we literally do not see much for agricultural jobs okay. not a ton of labor labor workers looking around it seems that everybody it's almost more of a ready player one where everyone's reality is in the virtual reality of the internet to yeah, some it's... degree whether you're a smuggler mm -hmm. or whether you run this machine as do some of the doctors and stuff and scientists that they encounter they run these machines and they're always wired in themselves to some degree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose we see it that way because it's, it's Johnny's perspective and that's his world. So it's not clear. That's the other thing, the larger world, it's, it's hard to, it's sort of superficial. You don't know exactly. It's so focused on Johnny in this aspect of it that you don't know what larger, the larger society looks like, but uh we see the underbelly, I guess, and then you see the the corporate aspect, and I, I in that stark contrast, I think that's what it's trying to emphasize. But Gibson specifically, I feel, doesn't explore, um, you know, the kind of things like Blade Runner and Asteroids and Human and all that. Like I said, but um, uh, the only exception I could really think of is the character of Casey and Neuromancer. There's there's a line that stuck out to me uh, where he describes being stripped of his ability to plug into cyberspace. Uh, and he's, it, it's basically like a bird's wings being clipped, you know, it's like, that's who he is. And so he mm. describes falling into the body of his own flesh. It's just sex and drugs. Like, yeah, drugs. He has a drug habit, if I remember. And then like, uh, and that was one of the only things that I can actually remember out of all of his work that really kind of started to, uh, that suggested that idea that this is actually changing people on a fundamental level. Cause like he says, cyberspace is it's he can go anywhere he, he has access to and he describes cyberspace much as it's portrayed in the film as like an a actual physical landscape uh, it's because by his own admission he's not very technologically literate uh so it's it was just something that sounded cool uh describing it on the page and uh so it became a landscape a world and you go into this world and you have information at your fingertips and, and so to be stripped of that really just fucked with who he was on a fundamental level, you know? So, um, but that was really the only exception. 
that I can remember of like really, you know, it, it changing us on a, on a. That's completely believable because I mean, as we're still pretty separated from technology in that we're not cyborgs yet, all of us. <laughs> there are some though. If I, if I, um, but. <laughs> But yeah, we're still pretty separated, but you could just, you could tell like how much people lose their shit if the internet went down. Oh, yeah. Or even like a month's worth of time. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the whole Y2K scare, you know, obviously. And not, I, almost not even from a job standpoint, just from a people not losing their shit standpoint. Yeah, like, no, obviously I, it's going to screw over a bunch of jobs and workers and yeah, what, just and crazy past 10 years, shit. like everything depends on a phone now like you can't turn on your fucking lights without your phone you know so it's like just everything is connected to the internet i mean everybody's bugged their homes with alexas and shit you know so it's yeah it 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 really i think only started to happen in the past 10 years where it became so embedded uh you know in our day-to-day lives that yeah it would would fuck us up i think (laughs) And I'm not Christopher Nolan levels of not wanting a cell phone and stuff, but oh, is he, is I he do. About that? Or is he just saying oh, don't yeah. watch movies on a cell phone? Because I sort of understand that. Uh, I think, no, I I, th- I think he's kind of anti-tech in that way. Oh. Like, he doesn't trust it. Well, I don't have uh, a cell phone, but that's only because I don't have anybody to talk to. So I just... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, people just lose their shit. Uh, so one of the first big scenes we get is he goes up and he's like a well-dressed black suit, briefcase type of deal. Very professional, yeah. Very professional looking, kind of almost like one of those professional assassins that you see, but he's not an assassin. I think uh, that, that gets to be expensive getting blood all over it, but you know, if you're a super rich assassin, you know, it's just, yeah. But, maybe uh, maybe that's what throws the, them off. They dress super slick, and then they dress it's like, like oh, they wouldn't want to ruin that nice ratty after. <laughs> so. One of the first big scenes is he goes up to this, I would assume, like apartment of some type, uh, penthouse type deal, where there's this group of people that are wanting to implant him with data, and the data gets interrupted. Or the there's a shootout. Yeah, most of those people die, and and the people that killed the people that gave him the data, they're led by this guy named Takashi. I don't remember the name of the sidekick with the laser whip. Yeah, so we see a laser whip. um, Oh, then Takashi. I know the actor you're talking about from Battle Royale. Uh, His actual name's Takeshi. I think it's a... You can probably tell from just Johnny Mnemonic. This is him adapting his own work, and it kind of feels like a 15-year-old's creative writing class in a lot of ways. But, <laughs> but um... well, the, the name of the director I forgot, but the name of the director I think this is his one and only movie because oh, really? he was a painter. That's oh, really? why. I, that's why I saw it. Like he, he's like this really. He's like this European guy that just loves to paint, and he's an artist in that way. And then he said. This isn't a direct quote, but so this is paraphrasing. But he said that I love the idea of making a good film, but films kick your ass. Oh, like, yeah. Compared compared to, he was much more in his comfort zone with painting. Because well, <laughs> sure, that's a solitary thing. I mean, that you have like the studios coming in and you, all these people you have to deal with. Yeah, it'd probably be very. So I mean, 
Uh, I, I'm just going to let you know for the, for the people at home, I'm not going to give this one an overwhelmingly positive review, so but 10 out it, of it does, it does <laughs> 10 out of five. <laughs> it does have some value. It has good. I mean, this might sound condescending, but good efforts and yeah. actually like good ambitions. Some movies you see are totally just sapped of ambition and sapped of quality and just sapped of life Hmm. that's what the one star is for okay yeah yeah. it's 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 better than a one star but i'm trying to think they're probably mainly for the ambition though (laughs) well i'm trying to think there's probably like (laughs) the room is probably still going to get a one or you know even though it's i guess well people ironically make it like it is a cult classic, you know, and it's yeah. a great bad watch, but it's still people, like I think people watch. it's almost become more basic to be like, yeah, the room is actually pretty good, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like like okay. no, it's it's bad. Okay. We don't no. know how that guy got his money. She, He's a mystery just, of a human being. Do you want me to summarize my traumatic childhood and like basically a sentence? So my brother <laughs> Uh, he wanted to go see the Roman theaters and he couldn't drive. And so he got my dad to take him. And my dad walked out of that going, I don't know why everybody was laughing. I thought it was pretty good. So. Yeah. <laughs> when did, did the room come out in like 2003? Yeah, but they, they do theatrical runs for like Rocky Horror almost, you know, just the. Okay. Yeah, so. Or like but, 99 or something. An early criticism that I can kind of bring up even at this point in the movie, just because we are introduced to some villains, is that I don't think that any of the villains were well rounded out as characters. And yeah. then also most of the villains were not very threatening. The only threatening character kind comes in with Carl. Is that his name? The the preacher? Shepherd yeah, that's Dol- Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, that's the threatening one. That's like uh, the one that you think would go to any extent. To I actually remember someone him up. being sort of an ominous presence from my last viewing. I like I, I did remember him rather brutally. Uh, I suppose it's spoiling it, but that is the name of the show. You know, it's fine. Rollins. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I remember it being a little worse than it actually was ultimately, but um, although I do have to say, like, I mean, as he's interrogating that one dude, I mean, he starts by shattering his hand, you know, freezing it and then shattering it. Uh, I think he threatens to gouge out his eyeball on the second question. And then by the third, he goes straight for the ball. So it's like, and then we cut away, we, you know, we don't know if that guy got to keep his balls, but I mean, that's somebody who, yeah, I mean, probably inspires some fear if, you know, first question, they shatter your hand. Second, they go to your eye. Third, they go for your balls. You know? Also, <laughs> the mecha- the mechanics of his hand were kind of weird because it was a cybernetic hand. It but was like half robot. Sort of but there was like kind of a little bit of flesh like in there, yeah. just enough to hurt him. Right. And I'm so like, what? Just cut that weird, bit like off. Maybe his nerves were actually yeah. wired or something. Could be like a big bundle of nerves. Yeah. That would yeah. just probably hurt a lot. But he took it like um, camp. You know, he was like, "Why do you have to do that?" It's like. There's a lot of cheese in this, but it's like... Yes. Yeah, it's definitely got cheesy moments. All right, so we get introduced to a character known in the movie as Jane, but known in other material as Molly. Yeah. So 
if you hear Dakota say Molly, I'm talking about he means Jane, Molly Jane. Right. The both names that are, like make you think of drugs. Uh, <laughs> and we kind of um, see her in a club setting, and she's got the shakes, and so yeah, it all lives up to yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and yeah, that's where we're introduced. Uh, we're introduced to these bodyguards who are working for Ralphie. The oh, yeah. kind of rich, rich, like the rich boss of Keanu Reeves' character, like Johnny his Handler, sort of, or not? What would you kind call of him? his pimp? Fixer. Yeah, I think I think would be the word. You were, you know, he sets up jobs for him, basically. You know, like a uh, pimp. Yeah, a, a professional pimp or whatever you could. Yeah, well, actually, that's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so that's where we get introduced to this disease, uh, NAS, otherwise known as, as the Black Shakes where mm -hmm. she has like uh like heroin lines or what you you're reminded of they're like the, implants the, there are these implants and injections mm -hmm. with like with tech so basically becoming too intertwined with technology yeah, literally ca causes a disease which is one of the thoughts in this movie that I thought was a good idea oh absolutely so yeah, this that so I this like is an example of something that I think is creative. I think it's it has room to be ambitious. That's that's where I separate this from some other just totally lifeless movies. Yeah, no, I, the the NES thing wasn't in the original short story, so that's something that was that's one of those things where it feels very different in the way that it expands on the source again rather than what it omits. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's very relevant to, you know, obviously kind of the conversations you hear about 5G right now and you're know, worried it's going to cause cancer. And then you, people have been saying that before about cell phones and brain cancer and all that. So it's, uh, it's certainly something, you know, that, that I think is in the public consciousness. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, think. but in, the, in this world, it's the generally accepted explanation nobody knows for sure is just that you, you know, you've, become too teched up. But then as the film goes on, uh, Henry Rollins' character says, no, it's not, you know, it, it's not just the implants. It's that, you know, it, it's all of it. It's the, it's, you know, the airwaves are polluted with this electromagnetic radiation or whatever that's, you know, uh, just, yeah, killing everything. Um, and, uh, you know, and he points out his own hypocrisy because he's like, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this, all the tech in his room. And, it, and that idea that we're so, I think, well, yeah, I think he says, you know, but, but we can't fucking live without it. So, um, you know, but uh, yeah, so that's, I like the, I like the way that scene plays out too, because she goes to, again, Udo here, so he seems to keep popping up in our, our you know, the movies we're covering. I, I, um, but, uh, you know, and she, she's looking to get hired uh, as a mercenary kind of bodyguard or bouncer or whatever. So, uh, and this is the guy you want to get hired by, you know, so uh, obviously Johnny works for him. So that shows he's quite successful, uh, but she can't get the gig because he's like, okay, well then hold your hand steady, you know, she's like, okay, it's like, just hold it there, you know, and like, she's like, okay, you know, and then like when the jig is finally up, you know, she grabs his like, see, you know, it just felt like real, like how, what she, you know, it's, it's a small moment, but it felt like, you know, she knows she's fucked. You know, so she grabs his arm. I mean, it just felt like a last ditch effort, but you know, I don't know, the jig is up. And I mean, I guess 
I don't know. It was a small moment, I guess, just grabbing his arm. But I, I like that she did. I oh yeah, I want to say uh, that's the one thing. Um, Dizzy from Starship Troopers. I, I don't. I can't remember the actress's actual name, but that's that's how I know her. Um, I think she played. I think she would have been a, a good uh, if it ever expanded and went into neuromancer. I, I know that movie's been development hell forever. I think she would have made a great Molly Millions. I mean, I think she I, she technically is. But uh, she she sort of brings what I imagined the character to be. You know, like there there's it's the tough chick thing, but she also brought uh, I, I think this understated vulnerability to the character that that um, you get hints of in Gibson's stories. But uh, here it's it's uh, another major change is that she's inexperienced in this one. Like this is her first gig, whereas the Molly we meet in Burning Chrome is already very experienced. You know. Um, so, but I actually like that. I like that we, you know, I think it added that, you know, she's, she's got the skills, but, uh, she, um, doesn't really know her way around the professional world. This is her first job and she doesn't know how to handle it. Once, once she meets up with Keanu Reeves' character and he hires her, that's skipping ahead a little bit, but so you have this, he's very professional, you know, and she's very able, but, you know, she doesn't quite she's green. She doesn't know the ropes yet in terms of like, you know, so she's talking to him all the time and makes her seem kind of naive. But when the chips are down, you know, she, she kicks ass and does what she needs to do. So she's a good bodyguard. But, uh, but I, I did like that. Um, yeah, that there was sort of that vulnerability to the character. But I mean, I, not, okay. I mean, probably nothing amazing compared to most, but just for knowing the character, it's like that is an aspect and they could have went too hard into the tough chick. Thing. and they they didn't and so i, I just mm -hmm. think that uh she you know managed to capture that so um yeah you definitely she definitely did seem dimensional although the right the writing deep, but just i like I, yeah. I like i mean for the character it, it, it worked i think you know she did a good job jane when she first sees johnny she sees him basically getting like his health his head split about to be split open and oh yeah rip like ripping the, the data out um, introducing jane jane to johnny was literally just oh this guy's gonna get his head split open i better save him even she's like I, in I, ventilation I, she overheard their conversation or something i i can't remember um that was a super messy scene and introducing characters the first time on screen is can be tricky but this was a particularly soft like weird kind of fuck up here like well, I mean, she was, was introduced with the handshake thing but as far as making those two characters meet is what you mean that's important and that moment has to work it has to at least make sense and if you're putting any value into that relationship mm -hmm you kind of want it to be like really good. There was no meaning behind them meeting. Well, and at, they have and there was really no reason for her to stick around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right. it, it is messy. I mean, she's trying to get the job with Udo Kier and then, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves' character obviously like that to fix her as handler. So they could have, I mean, there's enough there, like and they're at the same club where, you know, Johnny goes to meet him. So there's enough there where it's just they were missing one step. You know, to yeah. really make that work. Yeah. yeah, I agree. There was the commonality that they both fucking are mad at Ralphie. Right. But you know. and there and it but, makes sense for I them mean, to even be in the same if, location. If she was if it was 
you know. Yeah. And if it if it was just she was mad at Ralphie, what makes Johnny different from, you know, Dave on like Tuesday when she was mad at Ralphie then? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like, I suppose. It doesn't yeah, make Johnny that. special. Yeah, uh, Udo Kier sets up Johnny to get his head cut off by a pharma Tom surgeon. And, um, you know, because uh, they need the uh, implant for the, the hard drive in his head. Uh, and um, so they don't need him alive. Molly shows up and says, I'll protect your ass from these dudes uh, if you pay me a lot of money. And then, you know, so he's still on the table and he's like, I'll give you like what, what 20 grand. And she's like 50 and, and you know. And uh, she kicks everybody's asses. And uh, then the Yakuza dude with the laser whip shows up, uh, kills Udo Kier, um, just for the fuck of it, I guess. And, uh, you know, uh, as villains do. And uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, then what's really weird to me, though, is I think it's Udo Kier's bodyguard who doesn't really, uh, oh, yeah, who Molly kicks the shit out of because she rubbed in, sorry, Jane. Uh, kicks the shit out of because uh, uh, you know Molly couldn't get the job or fuck. Or see, it's just gonna keep happening. I'm just gonna call her fucking Molly. Uh, but uh, it's she couldn't get the bodyguard job. Yeah, and so the, this actual bodyguard, the Udo Kier, Ralphie, uh, uh, rubs it in, and so Molly kicks the shit out of her. Um, and then so I'm wondering after Udo Kier's dead, if she just takes along with the Yakuza dude because now it's personal or because, well, I need a new job. And, you know, I mean, if I was the Yakuza dude, I, I might kind of, you know, think that, well, he doesn't need her for one thing. But even if he did, she obviously wasn't a great bodyguard, but she just kind of takes along and that disappears. So I don't know if she was working for him the whole time or if. It's just like, I don't know why she takes a lot. I just, I guess the best explanation is she, it's personal now and she just wants to go kick the shit out of Jane. Uh, you know, mm. but not that it had to be. I, I guess it just does a good job of setting her up kind of as an underdog. Yeah. But, and I'll get more into this in just a second. But Johnny isn't really an underdog. I don't, I don't like, I don't know. He's kind of, it's a weird character. Well, it feels like the odds are stacked against him, but he, you know, but I guess in that sense, like the whole city is kind of out to kill him. He's stuck in the middle. We meet a character called J-Bone, who is uh, like the king of, he yes, played by Ice-T. He calls himself like the king of heaven or whatever it is. And, but <laughs> heaven is like a low tech sort of outfit, yeah. kind of in the outskirts and in the sort of poor section of stuff they're grimy they we live in what don't... bridge is is it's like i think this is i'm assuming since it's a sprawl it, it's new york so that would be god what what fucking bridge the either like bridge. brooklyn yeah either brooklyn or the other one what's it called not the it's like a grayer side. one what's it i think it's like grayer or something oh yeah, I, I'm not sure, but we see it's destroyed and that's where they're living. So it's, maybe that's why it's called Heaven. I think that bridge out. goes down in Godzilla. Oh, yeah. The 1998 one. Yeah. Um, um. <laughs> but oh, I suppose, yeah, we skipped over the introduction of that character because that happens before Johnny goes to, to Udo Kier and he's like, you set me up. So that was the setup scene. Uh, Udo Kier says, meet me here. And he goes and then he gets cornered. Uh, and... Uh, and Cluster fuck ensues, but at basically at the end of it, Ice T uh, 
shows up, Johnny saves Ice-T, then Ice-T saves Johnny. Then uh, Ice-T is like, uh, you know, th this scene, I actually just kind of, this line was, you know, it's like, we're even, I don't know you shit. And then Johnny's like, okay. So he like pulls a gun on him, you know? Like, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, <laughs> so I liked how that played out. But um, but anyway, then uh, more bullshit I think ensues and ultimately Johnny goes to the club to confront Udo Kier's character. So that, that's the part we skipped over. But, um, but yeah, but yeah. it introduces that character. So. Yeah. And then uh, towards the end of the first half of the movie, like Johnny learns today that like, half the people in the world have the black shakes oh yeah and he there's he's educated on the black shakes for like a solid 30 minutes like of really? film time well not maybe not 30 oh, but 20 the henry rollins too character. long yeah like this is yeah. something that's going on but I mean, yeah it would affect, like it would like and it's not like he is a robot or totally out of the loop like like half the people in the world have the black shakes you would learn about yeah, it's, even it's if not, you're they try to make it a class thing but it's really not i think that's what shows up with uh the takashi characters even his daughter died of this thing so so yeah it's like he's not going to be he's going to see people even in his class you know dying around him you know it's 50 percent of the population they're getting thanos basically you know so it's random, you know, it's, it's a high or low. I mean, they try to make sort of this class thing out of it, but it almost doesn't work on that level just because it, we're told it affects everybody, you know? So, so you have the low tax and they're kind of the champions of, of you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 but yeah, I know I remember the senior talking about the Henry Rollins one where it just, yeah, it's, it's like. He learns from a Henry Rollins' character who's Spider, who's like this tech doctor guy. Yeah. Uh, he learns from the spider that half the people in the world have the black shakes. Yeah. And yes, they're just really yeah. sloppy with exposition this entire film. Right. Uh, if they had made <laughs> a smaller percentage of uh, the population, like this is just something that started to pop up and, and you know, it, it's not, people aren't really talking about it, you know, because um, they think they can just ignore it and, you know, uh, or something like that, that would have probably worked a bit better, but it's literally, we're told 50% of the fucking population. So, um, yeah, it's just, I, you know, if they just changed that number, it, it probably would have worked substantially, you know, a lot better. Um, but yeah, I, I, I suppose, uh, the reason once we're, we're introduced to the Henry Rollins character, because Jane starts to have a freak out and she starts to seize up. I actually like that Johnny's like, well, okay, you suck as a bodyguard. I'm out. Uh, and you know, she's, I mean, it's a little more polite than that, but he just leaves her in the trash basically. And she's like, wait, wait, spider can fix you up. He, he can get the, the shit out of your head and he can fix me up too. And then, you know, uh, so he's an unlicensed, uh, back alley doctor basically. And, uh, uh, that, yeah. Uh, and he takes her there and, you know, yeah. And then you get that and big exposition dump. I will say there was two or three scenes in this movie where I laughed and I don't think the movie wanted me to. Yeah, yeah. And her having that, her having those shake the shakes right next to that fountain or whatever. Yeah. A ton of that scene was like out of frame. Yeah. There was no motivation to the actual filming like, of it it was just she's got the shakes she's on the ground leave her keanu leave her <laughs> so yeah there's some bad stuff in here where <laughs> like it's just that could have probably 
use the reshoot, you know, um, another take. I mean, and again, I think it's, I think it's the guy, the guy didn't actually have a filmography that I could look up, but that, but the director of this film, it was his first, it was his first movie. He's an artist. So I suppose our expectations should have been smaller, but, you know, and maybe the producers aren't happy with what, with the decision they made, but this movie ended up making money overseas. It, I think it bombed here, but overseas, they they liked it well enough, and yeah. it made its money back and then some, so it wasn't a financial disaster. Not that that always matters, but that kind of matters. That, that matters if you want to not piss off producers. I, I don't know. Like, like again, the, the mirror shades thing, like you could see that being sort of a, probably a producer. Th- I mean, I get it, but like, it, it, they're so iconic uh, that I'm just thinking they were like, I, I suppose it might be difficult to shoot around because if they're, they're not just like lenses or, you know, uh, they have some dimension to them. So that's going to make uh, camera work difficult. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you could, maybe that's why Gibson changed the character's name. Cause he's just like, well, this isn't even Molly now. Cause she doesn't have the iconic mirror shade. So I guess I'll just call her Jane. Um, I, but yeah, you can see that maybe be, and I'm sure it makes sense on a few levels. I'm sure they're scared to have your love interest and lead actress, not show her eyes ever. I mean, you had uh, Dread in 95 come out where that was the same thing. People complained because Dread's not supposed to take his fucking helmet off, but the studio put all this money in, they got a big star and they're like, there's no fucking way we're not still showing Stallone's face. So, I mean, and I, I love the the new Dread, the remake. It's one of my, I just love that movie and, and hats off to whoever made sure Urban could keep the helmet on and, and for him to keep the helmet on and not complain about it. like that. I love that movie. It's great. Didn't do well. Um, but, you know, like financially, unfortunately, <laughs> but it's a very good dread movie. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that's probably where that decision came from. It's probably a producer moment where they're like, yeah, no fucking way. Like, we're not, you know, we're not going to cover the actress's eyes. That's the money. That's the good, like an actor needs their eyes. But I mean, I think you can take, you know, V for Vendetta, though, Hugo Weaving, a great actor and put him behind a mask. And I think it's all the more impressive for just how much he gets out of so little. So I don't think it's something that can't be done, but I get where they'd be nervous about it. And I mean, that's like 90% of Tom Hardy's career at this point. Oh, yeah, Bane. And, uh, yeah, and, and what was it, Dunkirk? Yeah, so I guess Christopher Nolan at least likes to hide his face. I went into mo- the movie assuming this is a slick, intelligent person that he might not have all the answers, but he'll be able to get all the answers. Oh, yeah. And one of my big problems with the movie, and I, I think it... I think the movie succeeds in a lot of place in society terms and sort of predicting the future with viruses, diseases, uh, data, technology, internet power, mm-hmm. internet di- like distribution with economic distribution, all that stuff. And they do predict a lot about that. A lot of where this movie falls apart, I think, is the characters because as the movie went on, I just thought Johnny got dumber and dumber and dumber. Like, which seems to be what they do to Keanu Reeves in the '90s. Like, he even in the Matrix, he plays a dumbass for like at least the first third. Uh, right, but know. he progresses in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think they, I think that was his career. Like that was he, he advanced beyond Bill and Ted in the Matrix. <laughs> 
Like, you know, so he became in that moment in the last (laughs) 32 minutes of the matrix. Right. But yeah, we have this famous scene and you can, I think you might be able to recite it. um, If you, if you can, great. But where they're under the bridge or where they're under this bridge and all hope seems lost. Like, uh, ice teas, henchmen mistakenly dropped a car bomb on him and then he freaks out. And they just, they drop a bridge, uh, sorry, a car on Spider's van for (laughs) absolutely no other reason than that they feel like it. So you you can't blame him probably for being a little, having this big outburst at the sheer madness of the situation, you know? Where it's just like, yeah, everybody's trying to kill him now. His the, his last hope and allies uh, just tried to drop a fucking car on him, you know, for like no reason. Um, but yeah, so the, but the dialogue in that blow up though is it's crazy, man. <laughs> I think I think if they had fleshed out who he is a bit better, because it all just kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, it feels like. um, He's like, I wish my shirt was iron. And blah, blah, blah. And I was catered to. And I'm like, wait, so is he like this, like, high class douchebag? Kind of. That's what they make him out to be. I mean, we. see him at the start of the movie he's actually with the very expensive prostitute and one, one of and... one of my notes is and this doesn't come in until damn near the third act it's close second act and third act range when this happens yeah and one of my notes here is johnny is selfish question mark yeah because like you did because you did not see that earlier oh <laughs> He didn't seem overly generous or like an underdog, but you thought that he would kind of be on top of things and not, I don't know. Well, yeah, but the freak out, the freak out is amazing to watch, regardless (laughs) of whether you think it's good or not. Yeah, no, yeah, I couldn't even tell you if it's good. I just, it, it, but yeah, it's entertaining. It's like a lot of the movie, it's, it's, it's probably quite awful but it it's you know if you're drunk or something and you just want to watch something bizarre you know yeah this this has you covered but um i mean i think maybe the idea is that like he's a professional but now that he's out of his element he's down in the slums and his suit's getting wrinkled and ruined and all that yeah it's everybody's trying to kill him he's just he's out of his element um you know and and then uh jane or whatever is 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 in hers and uh she kind of you know so she becomes almost more professional than he does by the end of it um i I think it's what they're trying to do i'm not saying all this works you can just sort of see what they're aiming at i think the johnny's uh arc is supposed to be like okay this is this will go on for a little while, but I think we didn't quite set it up. So as far as his brain implant, it's something that doesn't quite make sense to me because he gets it. Um, they, it, it, it doesn't, well, it doesn't make sense on a lot of levels. So I'll have to try to navigate it, but I suppose like just now rather than later. Um, it's, so they had to remove part of his brain to make space for this physical like hard drive uh, and he can store up to 80 gigabytes, but then he has a doubler or so. I don't know if it's like compression software. So, so you can store twice that 160. At the start of the film, they overload him with whatever this is, uh, the, the cure information. It goes up to like, what do you see, like 320 gigabytes. So 
I don't know how that works because with a hard drive, you just kind of have the space that you have. I mean, uh, <laughs> unless, yeah, I, mean, I guess unless you're compressing all that, but you're not. So they just shouldn't be able to. And also all this, all this for a couple hundred gigabytes. Come on, guys. I mean, well, this is the nineties. That's a lot. You know, you I'm not putting there. anything in my head unless it's at least in the double, <laughs> like in the 10 terabyte range. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The petabytes or so. Yeah. I mean, but it did get me thinking about actually, can you, because I'm thinking how much space does that actually take up? I'm like, can you quantify visual and aural information? Like, I, I suppose you could, like, if you look at like footage and the resolution that the human eye sees, and we could, I, I forget what it is, but they have that sort of fixed. And it's like, and then I don't know, I suppose audio, and we could look at that. And it's like, I suppose you actually could probably, you know, come up with a number for like what your life how many gigabytes well it's gonna be way more than gigabytes <laughs> yeah but you're all the footage and sound of your life is going to take up in any case though i think it's going to be a bit more than uh you know because he says his whole childhood is supposed to fit in that space which also doesn't really make any sense because like i don't think a specific memory is isolated to a specific location in your brain I, the brain I, will rewire I, and adapt and so there's a lot there that's a little yeah. weird but yeah uh, um also i i think they might be able to find like they might be able to calculate your lifetime wattage used like oh. electric like literally like your electric like because oh that's interesting human being li living things are like literally like like Batteries, things with like nerves images. and a neural system are we made the point in a video that everything is natural as long as like humans create it so oh, yeah. but but this is truly like, like the brain is truly like a natural electrical system and battery that you could almost determine electrical output over the course of a lifetime. Yeah. I bet some people, I bet there are some numbers out there. That yeah, that'd some be people interesting. Have about that. Oh, something real quick talking about the brain. We should mention about Johnny is one of the reasons that he has to make these visits to like this Dr. Spider is that these implants every time you're implanted implanted you have about 24 to 48 hours to get it out otherwise you have yeah seepage. that's that's where he's gonna go i'm like i i'm not sure it makes sense but it's an interesting idea and it creates a deadline so it's it's this information is going to start to leak into his brain the way it's presented in the film is the way it's described in the book because he describes it as like literal still like single images being spliced you know uh, like like watching a movie made completely of unrelated images flash before him and they actually show it that way so he gets these you know migraines and he, i think he starts to hemorrhage from his nose a bit and um so yeah because the synaptics if anything worked in the plot if anything worked in the plot i think it was probably that because mm -hmm. that was a constant motivation throughout right. the entire movie whereas you know in some some characters you're not sure why they like Johnny, why they're doing what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, but, but like on, that it, that's one of the consistent things about the plot. With the outline of it sounds good. I mean, everything wants to kill him. The premise is really interesting, the data courier thing. There's the deadline of the synaptic seepage. So you you really stack everything against this character and it could be it could really become a you know, it, it could have like a warrior's thing or something where it's just like everything is out to get you and you know but yeah, it doesn't quite work in the execution on virtually any level, but you know, uh, but it, it's interesting in, you know, the, the premise and, and some of the ideas in it. It's just, uh, he gets that part of his brain removed and never mind how realistic that is or whatever, but it, 
you know, all of his childhood memories go with it. And so the question kind of becomes, well, what did I lose? I must not have thought it was important if I, uh, you know, got rid of it, but he still actually gets flashes, which is sort of realistic because you're not just going to, you know, and like I said, it's not really isolated to any specific part of the brain. So he gets glimpses of his childhood in his dreams and that's enough to make him yearn for it. So, but it seems, and then, so he wants to get that back. Now, how he's going to do that doesn't make any sense. What I naturally thought was that they took that part of the brain and offloaded it onto a separate hard drive or something. And then he can just like, you know, and then I thought, well, if that's the case, why can't you just use it like an external hard drive? If when you want to experience your childhood, you plug in and there you go. Um, and, but there are a number of reasons that wouldn't work, but they're ultimately meaningless, but I'll still, uh, so the one thing we didn't bring up is that he doesn't have access to this partition part of his brain for the client's safety and for his own, you need a code to access this hard drive. Uh, and the information can, so you don't know what you're smuggling, you know, that it, it, it provides a certain degree of security. And so what I figured was whoever provided the implant, basically the idea would be that they, I think the manufacturer, whoever would have the code and you get that once you turn in the implant and then he can get his childhood back. So even, so you couldn't just plug it in and upload that memory, which would almost certainly exceed 160 gigabytes or whatever anyway, but uh, even if it didn't, you know, he wouldn't be able to experience his childhood anyway because it's locked off by the code. Um, so that made a sort of sense to me, except that's like I watched it again and that none of that comes up. It's we don't know how he intends to restore his brain. It's just like they're going to do some surgery where I, the way he describes it, it almost makes it sound like they literally are going to just what regrow brain matter or reattach part of his brain. Like, I, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, um, it's like I saw, so, yeah, I had no idea like where are Johnny's memories? Why does he think he can get them back? My assumption was that he offloaded them onto a separate hard drive or something, but no, it's just, he's going to get his part of his brain back. Did they put it on ice and they're just going to, like, I have no idea what the actual plan is. So maybe they maybe they can implant memories into stem cells or something. I don't I, know. Right. I have um, no idea. But it just it being the care, the character's primary motivation, it, it you'd kind of wish it would be explained. Um, but uh, yeah. And as far as that goes, I think the closest thing he has to an arc is that he although, again, it doesn't make sense, uh, is that so he removed all that so he could have a career doing this. Then he takes all of his money, which he he appears to have been pissing away on hookers and fancy hotels and suits and whatever. And he decides he saves up just so he can undo what he did in the first place. And it doesn't sound like he has any money put away. So he's going to be back where he started. Um, but maybe that's the idea. Maybe I think what they're trying to do with him is show that, oh, yeah, this life of luxury didn't matter. And it's a rosebud thing from like Citizen Kane. You just need your childhood <laughs> memories. And I think that's the arc they're trying to give him. It's like the prodigal son needs to come home to his childhood. And it just, it all maybe could have been interesting, but they don't flesh it out like at all. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that uh, rant scene is like, the indelible yeah. mark of this film for me <laughs> so for better or worse so the next character we're looking on is jane she was uh that bodyguard that didn't like ralphie hated yeah. her boss we just ranted about her 
how she actually gets in with Johnny. That was pretty messy. Um, but overall, as you had mentioned earlier, they could have done way worse with it. They could have kind of made her just tank girl, yeah. like where it's you know. sort of tough yeah. badass without which you do have those female characters that are tough badasses in the movie so it's not it's not excluding them but to have a more well-rounded character you don't want a goon you know whether it's male or female yeah and she i mean she she does kick ass i mean she's certainly confident and able to do the the job unless she's having a freak out um you know but uh but she's inexperienced and so i and there's a certain degree of uh, not quite naivety, but just like I said, I mean, she's green. She doesn't know the ropes. She doesn't know her way around doing the job outside of doing the job. Like she's good at bodyguarding, but as far as all the little details of what comes with that, uh, you know, like she talks too much to Johnny and, you know, she doesn't know that's something you don't really do. You don't ask questions, you don't, you know, so he's more professional in that sense, but she's very competent, you know, so. Yeah. And she's not super professional around Ralphie either. You know, you brought up the whole thing where she's shaken. Yeah. And that was among the scenes that I thought was pretty in that wasn't that was pretty good for her. Yeah. But yeah, her motivations are pretty lost until you reach a point where you just accept it. And later on she kind of opens up a little bit more and I think her character progresses a little bit. And how I just explained how, like, to me, Johnny's character actually regresses. Yeah. So as far as a character building, lessons learned type of thing, I don't know if Johnny ever got anywhere. This is, I um, think this is the problem, though. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it makes a sort of sense. Because the thing is that in Gibson's short story, and also almost with Neuromancer, it's kind of bizarre, Molly's almost the main character like she doesn't take up as much screen or as much time in those stories as it's just it's weird because like i said she's like she's the one constant across all of the sprawl fiction uh she's reduced to more cameo roles like i said in the, the later two novels which i haven't read i have read some of mona lisa overdrive but uh uh which so not even in the proper order because that's a third one but uh anyway um but they're all kind of unrelated but the, the point is that like yeah she's the one thing that ties them all together other than the, the sprawl itself which is like the whole east coast all the major cities have been sort of conjoined so like the whole east coast down to like uh oh fuck where is it like carolina is just one massive city um so which has some basis in reality apparently like there were at some point talks of like actually connecting the cities down the east coast like with bridges and shit but uh anyway so um uh what was i gonna say oh yeah so she's presented as sort of the main character and him adapting his own work you could see where he doesn't you know he he probably didn't realize that in a movie you need to make johnny the main character it's called johnny pneumonic and so was his short story but uh, like you said, Johnny regresses and Molly advances, and that's that can be fine, but it can't be the final. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, Johnny learns not to be selfish, but it's introduced like only midway through the film that he's even <laughs> selfish in the first place. So you know, like I mean, yeah, because I don't think I don't think the opening scene of him waking up with a hooker tells me a ton about the character, other than like the dude's partying or he has. Yeah, a, he, he likes you know, his life of a life. lifestyle like that. Yeah, you know. yeah. 
I mean, it, you know, between jobs. I mean, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really say anything. You don't, you don't have like this, like, like what you see when you have an entitled at the beginning character is yeah. you see kind of, there's something missing in their life, whether it's like this sappy love story where this like rich man or and woman has, I really you know, think it's his childhood, which makes no sense because then why did you do what you did in the first place? Like, <laughs> and it's not rounded out at all. Right. Like, there's a fucking bike like i don't know man <laughs> yeah and it doesn't quite work because it's johnny pneumatic and johnny needs to be your main character so you know um to some degree i mean you know it, it you, you have yeah. yeah you have to give him a fucking arc so one main character is takashi yeah uh no he idea. is the leader of the high-tech kind of pharma i believe pharma or he's not the leader of it because there's this kind of AI that you see throughout Which that I is sort of like almost this angel or ghost figure that I literally don't understand because by like by title, Takashi is the head of this pharma place, which- he, Which I wasn't sure. I knew he was up th- there, but he's- at the I think he's like the president or something. Okay, and the only the person he's ever answered to the only person he ever answered to was that hologram and we don't know what the fuck that is yeah it's like the so, corporate ai which i don't know why it's telling him what to do like it's i you're being bossed around by your imac i don't i don't know what so there's some significance there it's supposed to be important to him but i don't understand who it is or why it's it's important uh fucks with it, johnny too and we don't get that either yeah like he's important to it for some reason and it really just becomes very unclear at the end. Like everything just kind of falls apart. It, it's, um, it, yeah, that's where I think I definitively, I think you can say it's, uh, it's not great uh, by the end, if there was any doubt. Cause yeah, I have no idea what the fuck happened. Everything just magically works out. Yeah, his daughter died of NAS um, and that's all we really know. Then he's hiring this Yakuza dude um, to do his dirty work and to track down the smuggled information, which he doesn't even, I guess it turns out, he doesn't even know what's been stolen. He just knows research data. And he's like, well, fuck, you know, nobody fucks with Pharmacom. Um, and as it goes on, you know, uh, <laughs> it turns out that the data was a cure for NAS, uh, which they had... Um, secured months before so it actually would have been in time to save his daughter but now who did this i don't i mean like it sounds like a in like a corporate conspiracy but we don't see any other corporate people it's just the yakuza who aren't corporate so how could they have like i don't know if the implication is that somehow they're responsible for holding that back like how does that fucking work they're just your you know yeah yeah, you really Takashi really is the only character, the only elite class character that we kind of get a good look at. And even then, his motivations are all over the place. Yeah. And I don't. And towards the end, like you kind of, you kind of think that with his child having died of NAS, you you think okay, he's gonna have some kind of rebellion here, and he kind of has that, but it's not significant. He died. He dies too, I believe, and well, he, he might have like code off him, Johnny. But I mean, yes, he hands the rest of the code off. But 
that's not a thing that you need him for. You know what I mean? What well, they did, it made it easier, I guess. But I mean, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it was entirely. The code is something I don't understand. I understood it to be a password, like a safe word or something. But it's portrayed as three images, like a you know lever. What do you call it? A, a, a slot machine yeah, thing? Like a, a slot, like a slot machine. Yeah. It's, so it's like a picture of an elephant, a picture of something else, and then a picture, and then a of, the picture of the AI. AI. Yeah, it's it's really confusing. And then that unlocks his mind, and he gets access to the cure later on. But but yeah, as far as who withheld the Pharmacom cure, that must have been a corporate thing. Somebody else within the corporation had ambitions, but we don't know that because we don't see anybody else from the fucking corporation. The one who has ambitions is the Yakuza leader. And so I don't know if they, this is why I mean, this shouldn't happen. You shouldn't be like, I don't know what the fuck happened. Did this happen to this? Did I miss something? So like, okay, maybe the implication is that, and right there, I shouldn't have to say maybe, but maybe the Yakuza dude worked something out with somebody else in the corporation behind Takashi's back. It was like, this cure could make us a lot of money. I'm going places. I'm going to kill this dude, you know, and this is all some back behind closed doors conversation that happened that we never saw. You know, so like that's the only thing that makes any sense because the only one that we see has ambition is that Yakuza dude who kills Takashi. I don't know why. I mean, it's not like he inherits his position. He's a Yakuza, you know, so like he's not a, he's not in the corporation. Although I think the implication is that they're so intertwined that who knows, maybe, right? Maybe he mm -hmm. could just kill the CEO and take it over. I don't fucking know. I mean, but it's bizarre. It didn't make a lot of sense. But the, as far as an arc, it's supposed to be that, oh, God, wow, my corporate ways blinded me to something and I could have saved my daughter and here's the code. So, yeah. And the next two characters we're going to talk about today, one is Spider. His, he's played by Henry Rollins. You know him from music. Uh, what was the band he was in? History Channel documentaries. <laughs> History Channel documentaries. He was also in The Chase with Charlie Sheen, which if you've not seen that one, we're fucking watching The Chase because The Chase. I haven't. I Okay, we'll watch The Chase. It's in its purity. Oh, The Chase. We're putting it on the list. It's, okay. We're going to talk about The Chase. Spider's a doctor. I think he honestly might, per line read, he might be the worst written character in the movie because he's really? literally just an exposition dump. I He's like, like this is NAS. This is the cure that. for NAS. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's. I, yeah, I think, totally I think, job. I think Rollins does it. a good job. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. He delivers it actually fairly well. I, I remember the role as being a huge exposition dump, so I didn't think anything of it. And this time I watched it. I'm like, actually, you know what? Rollins did okay with absolute crap in terms of like this is not how you do your story. Uh, but he sells it. He gets himself worked up. He's like, you know, it's this and this and this. And like the anger I was sold on, his emotions I was sold on, the fact that he has to explain any of this, as you said, I'm not sold on. <laughs> I mean, I didn't actually make, there's so much that's wrong with the movie. I didn't make as big of an issue out of it. But now that you pointed out, it's like, yeah, that's huge. 50% of the population. It's, there's so much wrong. I just was like, okay, fuck it at that point. But that's big. It's probably one of the bigger things where it's like, that's, yeah. Yeah, so, it, it seems like a nitpick, but it, no, it no, becomes it's, it's like not. a plot it, hole. 
you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they throw it in casually, so that's why it seems that way. Like, it's just, they're like, they throw so much in so rapidly, and that's just, oh yeah, 50% of the population, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And yeah, I guess it's like the fridge logic thing where it takes you a little while and you know, to just even catch up, and you're like, wait, 50 fucking percent, why the, f- yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he definitely seemed smarter than his character was written. Yeah. uh put more into it you know you do see a lot of expression with his uh performance um one that you don't necessarily see a ton of expression in is carl who is played by dolph lundgren aka uh drago and rocky four so he's like this sort of example of what religion is in this 2021 future where he literally is like this seven foot tall Jesus figure that runs around With crushing skulls staff. and shit. And yeah, he's a shepherd. Crucifying, he catches yeah. Spider at some point and crucifies him and slits his throat. His own medical apartment, which I don't, the sheer, I guess he's, he does have cybernetic implants, right? That's the thing. I, I forgot that he's, yeah, he has so many implants that like he's, uh, uh, he has, you know, I think that's why they say he's gone crazy, you know, like he's, it's a, he's more, more machine than man now kind of thing. And, but yeah, so he's able to physically mm. impale Henry Rollins to solid stainless steel equipment, you know, like with, with a knife, <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah. And basically crucifies him. So uh, he gets run and... over by a, a van and uh, as well. Um, so he's kind of, yeah, sort of Terminator ish, but Imagine the Terminator as a hobo with, uh, you know, a fucking shepherd staff running around. Halt, sitters! I'm one of those, like, the world ends now, like, cardboard size. Yeah, yeah, the end is die type. Oh. Yeah, one of those, yeah, street preachers. It's um, it's so over the top and ridiculous, but I think, I think that's one of the few areas where the film's definitely self-aware. Like, I think it's deliberately... Yeah. Absolutely yeah, I scary. laughed at those, and I think they wanted me to laugh yeah, or at least so have amazing. amusement. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and his death. Okay, okay but his yes. death. <laughs> we're gonna wa- we're going into this now. All right. Okay. So there's a battle. There's a battle. They're shooting. That if, just before we go into the fantastic death of the preacher, um, <laughs> the yakuza dude. Um, I actually like that. It felt sort of realistic. Like it didn't feel like Johnny was being super smart, but just a realistic about where he ducks and the way la- the dude uses his laser whip to sever uh, the, the cables that are holding them up. Then they fall into this dangling uh, uh, shipping crate container. Uh, he knows that he can't kill Johnny, or at least he can't cleave his head. He can't damage the hard drive. So Johnny uses that to his advantage. Uh, pulls the laser whip out, wraps it around his head, and decapitates him, which was pretty, actually, pretty cool. It's 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 one of the few action sequences that doesn't look totally cheesy and actually sort of works. Oh, we didn't even mention the fucking dolphin. No, we did not. No, yeah. So... <laughs> We're in this like bait, this low tech base, and they have strapped up is a dolphin of <laughs> one of the worst dolphins I've ever seen. Uh, yes. And and it's the nineties fucking laughing in the background. And I guarantee you that was like on script. Like she's just laughing at how ridiculous the, the, the fucking dolphin is. So, I'm, and you know, I am huge on giving movies slack for special effects. Yeah. But <laughs> this movie could have done better than that. 
I think they thought it in was the hidden 90s. behind all the murky green water, but it's not. It's just it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so basically, they used the dolphin for the extra brain power to yep. he, do whatever. What I I honestly can't explain what Johnny did in oh, like the yeah, cybernetic realm. I know the he, the per, yeah fuck what is I know the dolphin the dolphin has a name. So we're we're told that. What's the dolphin's name? Echo. I was. I. Uh, Could be. That makes sense. Like, they give him a human name. We're told that this guy is your last hope. He. 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 The, the low techs have him up in their their bridge. He can fix you up. We get there, and it's a fucking cybernetic dolphin, and uh, and I guess he. But with, like, sort of a semi sentient brain, or I don't even know. I, I don't. I don't even understand. I. But he was. He was. He intercepted submarine signals during the Great War that's decimated this whole part of the city, apparently, because it's all bombed out and trashy and whatever. Yeah, um, and he needs the, oh, the dolphin has a microwave fucking antenna, or uh, fucking, I don't even know. It's so, he intercepts <laughs> signals from satellites, and but it's such a strong beam that it's like there's the, the electromagnetic, radiation is so strong that it, it like will fry you and uh so he, he can turn this satellite dish and microwave people to death <laughs> you can probably see where this is going and um yeah it's <laughs> yep <laughs> so. hearing it explained is almost trippier than watching it yeah <laughs> uh there's also like like his memories That's also in like come into play and there's like way. a big there's like a big CGI bicycle that rides around, I think. Oh yeah. Like it was it was something. And that yeah. was pretty much Walter how they States ended Johnny's shit arc. on this. Like you need to get to the yeah. end of Johnny Mnemonic. Um so God. Yeah. Um, and then all right. So now I think it's time we can give Carl's death an explanation. Well, it is uh, easily confused. the most unique movie death of all time, Carl. The street preacher, the cyborg, <laughs> hobo street preacher, murderous, psychotic, yes, gets microwaved by a cybernetic fucking sigint dolphin. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, like burnt to a crisp. Yep. So I, I, I don't, it's really, I guess it's that simple, but it doesn't do it justice. I, I, you have to witness that. You have to see. I yeah. I don't. And the cherry on top. The cherry on top is like, as far as ways to end a movie. Pretty abrupt. Yeah. Like everyone look. Everyone looking towards the dead body and seeing the corpse. Start like the burnt corpse yeah. start to like move. Like Ice Ice Tea's like that's just garbage. Yeah, but they're and like hoisting the body like, up. It's like you guys didn't what you you oh. you guys you guys didn't notice the big fucking crane that was like scooping them up. Yeah, I kind of did so like the just fake like, out because it seemed like he could come back because he's a cyborg and shit. I mean, I I guess, but but it made no sense the way it's presented when you like yeah, it's like you're looking right at what's happening. What what do you think you're looking at? Yeah, so but so yeah, yeah it, it's. I hate when I'm glad it's that. there though, because it's fucking funny. <laughs> I, at yeah, least. I mean, it's 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 one of the things that you're like, that's dumb, but it's it hilarious. Just, like, ends. 
It's like right, it's just like that's just garbage. And then they look at the burning <laughs> tower and it's like la la the, the, the music swells, it feels completely out of place in this movie. Just the the you know stereotypical happy ending music or whatever. Uh yeah, and then it just ends and then it, I think it goes into like a techno thing. Um, I suppose we skipped over the the cyberspace thing, but it's so difficult to even describe what the fuck is going on. I mean, like whatever happens the takeaway is that everything magically resolves itself i don't know how or why the ai maybe maybe he get maybe johnny unleashes the ai and the ai causes uh i mean something stupid overloads the, the computers and blows up the tower and so we see it burning in the background johnny gets all of his memories back i don't know how or why maybe they were always there maybe he just needed to look inside himself to find all of his memories. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Maybe or maybe maybe Pharmacom had his memories, and I don't understand this. I don't understand a lot of things. This movie ends with a dolphin radio fucking frying somebody with radio waves. Um, yeah, uh, frying like, Dolph Lundgren Jesus with radio waves. Yeah, so, yeah. So there, this movie is beyond my understanding. I think I think it's safe to say. Um, maybe but, AI only understands it. Yeah, maybe it was all part of its grand plan. To, yeah, is this what when when AI totally takes over? Is this what movies are gonna be like? Is it all gonna are they gonna be like the golden age of film was not New Hollywood? It was not what we call the golden age of film. It was not the silent era. It was not the modern era. It was '90s cyberpunk. I mean, this is I Citizen Kane, like and Tank Girl is Casablanca. <laughs> I do like a lot of the strange worlds we got in the 90s, but uh, this is a strange one. I wouldn't say it's a good one, but it's very bizarre. Um, yeah, maybe, it's a fun one. Yeah, maybe it's the fun. AI, why cybernetic dolphins are the future, you know? We, it doesn't need humanity. We, we thought, you know, yeah, so. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna talk now a little bit about its place in society. And this is where I get probably the most positive with it. Because you can definitely see the Matrix, the, like that could have been beyond that Keanu Reeves was casted in it. You can yep. definitely see that it coming out in 95, Matrix came out in 99. You can right. see that there's a big influence there. Um, as we mentioned a bunch, as far as like the sci-fi punk movies in the 90s that were pretty well inspired by Blade Runner, but mm. not quite to the climax that the matrix did like the matrix was yeah. like the jesus of the yeah. 90s cyberpunk films like it right it brought it i mean there was some decent there was some decent stuff in there and some respectable ideas in there well, for a long time well, one, but nothing really transcended until the matrix i would i would honestly say i i know it's 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 fairly common for people to say but uh mamoru uh oshii's ghost in the shell which i think came out in 95 uh it's animated but everybody knows that was that was a huge inspiration for for well i i, I think actually no sorry it's i think it's a bit overstated how much of an inspiration that was on the matrix they're very similar and they have a lot like um in terms of the technology but the big thing was just plugging jacking in you know and the way that's mm. visually portrayed i think is the biggest thing that the matrix takes away they feel very similar in a lot of ways and they uh but you know in terms of how they combine action and sci-fi and philosophy and you know but um but it, it's a fucking fantastic movie and and definitely i yeah very very cyberpunk 
Um, but so I would say that's actually, I mean, it's a personal thing, but I would put Ghost in the Shell on like the same level as The Matrix, certainly for me. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot of people don't like animated movies, but it, I, I'm, I'm the same. I, I don't. I don't, I don't like anime, you know, like the serialized, like I can't get, but there, I think there are some, you know, you, you look at Disney or, or just, there are some animated movies out there that the, just the sheer level of craftsmanship and, and whatever that goes into them is, I, I mean, I think, you know, hopefully people can look past and you know, the fact that it's animated, really see it as uh, I think the ultimate form of uh, creative expression because everything is hand created by hand, you know? Um, and but anyway, sorry, it was a bit of a tangent, but yeah, just Ghost in the Shell, definitely a, a mm. high point of the 90s in science fiction and, and cyberpunk, but uh, but certainly The Matrix and definitely the, the better known still. Uh, but yeah, and this movie does feel ahead of the game in terms of societal issues or societal like where think where we are now, uh, with VR, data control, internet disparity wealth disparity but but some of that stuff is common in sci-fi movies in dystopian sci-fi movies where you have like a big economic disparity but it's still pretty true and then this one does it a little differently with pharma and kind of like health and just everything involved with that and how companies will treat their how pharmaceutical companies will treat their clients at almost like livestock where yeah. all right maybe we cure this many people maybe we you, you know what i'm saying oh, or no, no, I, you know I get it. or or if they're getting somebody addicted on an opioid or something like oh, that yeah, that plays we, into it we brought it up but the whole idea was that uh, yeah god sorry it's a big thing and and i i don't we both failed to bring it up is that uh, the idea is that the low techs want to take this cure that's in Johnny's head so that they can distribute it over the broadcast it everywhere. So everybody has access to it rather than letting Pharmacom profit from it and withhold it and put astronomical prices on it, you know, because this is effectively the cancer cure of the future, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and that's the idea. Um, so I think that's supposed to be the arc with Takeshi or whatever where we're on e- unknown even to him or somewhere in the corporation they decided to withhold this so that they could maximize profits or something you know rather than release the 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 cure right away and it could have saved his daughter um but i think another thing that's a little interesting about johnny mnemonic i don't think it was i'm not sure if it was deliberate or not but it's you know you could because a lot of like you said it's it's about class division a lot of the time in sci-fi but the, the one thing that could have united or been consistent across the classes or, or something that I, you could just explore it a bit more is that, well, the NAS ex- affects everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that would be a different spin on it. So you have the low techs, you know, and just their name. I mean, there's a certain emphasis on, you know, them, them kind of being the underdogs and going up against the big tech pharma and, you know, but, but uh, I think that the realization and- that this isn't good for anybody, you know, it's like we're polluting the airwaves and it's, it's, it's a, something some commonality or something, you know, uh, you could have made it, yeah, I, but they don't. It's, it, and you, you, you can see that today too, because I mean, with opioids, like I believe that, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe the stats show that pretty much that just as many wealthy and well-off people are getting hooked on opioids right. as, you know, poor people. Now the way the law is enforced among like, you know, drug enforcement and all that. Right. There's like some disparity there, obviously, but yeah. uh, 
there's a lot of people that are wealthy that are addicted to pills and addicted to whatever else these I'm, days I'm sure. and all that stuff that's that's important but not fun to talk about necessarily yeah, yeah, I, swear, yeah uh, I suppose it's weak but you know <laughs> but yeah yeah let's get into some nitpicks i just wanted to mention that the special effects are a hot mess yeah like you kind of you admire the effort you admire the the scope in a lot of in a lot of ways but damn you know yeah but damn it's rough (laughs) and i know i know i well actually so okay there's a bit of a history to this so as far as i know total recall was the first movie to attempt to animate a human figure uh and then johnny mnemonic sort of tries like in the cyberspace uh world doesn't look super great then I heard there's a very brief shot in Event Horizon where Sam Neill gets blasted out the, the uh, and and that was I never even noticed. So it's it's I think more to do with the framing and the, the duration of that shot. But I guess it was actually a complicated thing because it's a human CG character. They did good because I didn't notice. Um, in a movie where there are some not so great special effects again, although I do love Event Horizon. But yeah, it's. So maybe the I can give it slack for trying to animate a human figure, but there's a lot. You know, the, the dolphin um, is uh, really impressive, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, it should be seen by everyone. General like uh, negative things towards it is the villains are not fleshed out. Uh, they're pretty flat, and uh, uh, like a lot of the henchmen are just weak as fuck too, except for the guy with the laser whip. Yeah, That's, I mean, it's only because like, Laser Whip and Carl are the only villains that are even like a, oh, a fight. That's another thing that's interesting, though, is uh, this movie has a lot of villains. It's kind of weird. Like, there's three does have a lot antagonists. Of them. Like, so that's um, probably a little messy. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we have several. I think ultimately Carl becomes the wild card villain and the final villain. Um, you know, but yeah, it, it is actually a movie with three primary antagonists. That's unusual, I think. But yeah, and they all get killed one by one in short succession at the end. Like they just, it's not like a gradual thing. Like they're just, you know, yeah. So um, yeah, I guess that's unique. Um, I would probably criticize it, but there's so much that it just, whatever, you know, like. Um, <laughs> yeah if you found this like a so bad it's good type of movie oh yeah another like you you might like tank girl too well totally um, unrelated but if you just want to see henry rollins like in a really awful like it's i'd actually say wrong turn two is just good i mean it's horrible but it's just awesome so totally unrelated but wrong turn two it's fucking ridiculous like uh, <laughs> uh he's a badass in that and, and yeah so I, completely different but yeah uh, and and of course i mean if you like this movie you're gonna like the matrix i feel like that's safe to say um you might like every matrix every (laughs) yeah 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 it doesn't dip below this in terms of quality i guess you can say that about even maybe revolutions is probably above you know so i mean yeah but for today dakota How many stars out of five are you going to give Johnny Mnemonic? Ten. Ten out of five? (laughs) I got 2.5. It it has, I guess, some character. It's a, 
uh, you know, it's not so. It, yeah, like like you said, I guess it's it, it's character saves it. It's probably a. I might say a two a two point five. You know, I was definitely thinking two or two point five. There is a universe where this is a very very good movie. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Or there there's a scenario of outcomes where this is a good movie. I think I think it's so actually I, interesting because oh so, sorry I if it had taken itself more serious and been in more competent hands it might have been a better movie but I think ironically the fact that it doesn't seem to take itself hugely seriously is almost the thing that saves it because it's such a mess right it's those fun ridiculous moments that you know like I don't know just it's like something you would see on like Xena or something just like horrible <laughs> special effects and you know, even the actresses are laughing at them. They're so bad. They're like, there's just, you know, it's, it's one of those. So, you know, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I think I'm going to give it, uh, I think I'll give it a two. Yeah. All right. Yeah. A, a two, a two with ideas and heart, Strong ideas. but definitely <laughs> a movie that was directed by a first time filmmaker and moving pictures are different. not written for the screen yeah. well yeah well which is funny because that was gibson adapting his own materials that's kind of what i mean i feel like he might be a little overrated uh you know you, you mentioned that he writes i i'm not familiar with a lot of gibson work but yeah. he writes in the style of a graphic novel and it i think that's very comic booky it feels almost pulpy i i mean but it's just so weird to see that... romancer and stuff hailed as like oh, a revelation in science fiction it's like it's it, again great ideas in execution it feels a little like a comic book it feels like maybe a 15 year old like there's a, they got shurikens and there's the razor girls and they like they got they got the, the, the swords and the, the, the titties and and, and yeah, it's like, so that's how it reads a lot of the time. And then occasionally you get hit with really interesting, really great ideas, but it's like, I don't know, there's that tug of war. And I think it, it comes across here in, in Johnny Mnemonic where it's like, you know, the ridiculous stuff kind of overtakes the, uh, the some of the more interesting ideas, but then it's the, it's the ridiculous stuff that also saves it ultimately because it's, you know, fails in every other regard. So um yeah it fails to execute all those interesting ideas so overall i i'd say you know give it a shot it's worth it's i think it's i think it's worth your time if yeah. you have a lot of time on your hands <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but uh i'm just kidding um but if you want to go into it with the right expectations i think you'll yeah at least have some level and, of appreciation yeah. for it so i'm giving it two stars dakota's giving it two and a half yeah. yep Fun hanging out with everybody. Everybody have a good one. Yep. Uh, Alvita Zang. <laughs>